You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. First Samuel chapter one says this. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Someone say the one, 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 one. I could read verse 4 through 9, but I don't want to distract distract you with what God wants me to drive home on this Sunday morning. So we're going to bounce down to verse 10. It says, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. They're still the young. It's something about being youthful or the youngest that people in society tend to overlook you. He is tending the sheep. I didn't bring him up here because he's still new at responsibilities. I didn't think you wanted to anoint someone who was new. And prophet Samuel says, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance. Someone say, come on, ladies, say, David was fine. (laughs) I just wanted to bother y'all. Fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Someone say, this is the one. Lastly, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that, in the presence of who? In the presence of who? In the presence of his peers. In the presence of his family. He anointed them, him, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David, and Samuel then went to Ramah. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you anoint me and a creative theological way to express your word to your people. Thank you for those who came near and far to gather in our new sanctuary to chew on what you have for them. Father, let this word not just be a word that's religious, but be a word of relationship. Lord, let this word be a word that helps somebody heal and deal with the areas of their life that they don't have the answer to. God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you allow me to communicate and articulate this thought that you've given me so that your people may be blessed. And I pray I honor you, Jesus, and I can't do this without you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Give God three amens that you can have your seat. Come on, clap your hands before the Lord. Come on, clap your hands in expectation of the anointing of God and the glory of God and the Holy Spirit's divine word coming into the house of God. I want to talk to you all from the subject nowish. Blackish, grownish, nowish. David was nowish. He was anointed to be king, but he wasn't king yet. That causes a problem. Because you did it in front of people who know I'm supposed to go to my next, but I don't know how to get to my next. I'm nowish. I don't know if you notice or not, but I've been transition man around Right Direction Church International lately. And I learned how to steward things that are awkward in my life. 
being, of course, a pastor's son and now an assistant pastor ordained by God in the Lord's church to preach God's word, I can't help but have thoughts sometimes that I wrestle with that deal with the heart of hearts of my humanity as well as the heart of hearts of God and the holiness. But what I found out is the more awkward I am and genuine before the Lord, the more anointed I am before y'all. And so I came here on this Sunday to talk to somebody who's tired of faking, who's tired of acting like God's not about to launch you somewhere. I came to talk to somebody who's tired of acting like the last version of you that your mama thinks you still are. We love our family, but it's okay. We love our family, but it's okay with being anointed in front of your family. You love your friends, but it's okay with being appointed in front of your friends. And many of us are so loyal to our previous that we dismiss our very own prophetic. But not today. We're going to stand in this new sanctuary, and you're going to admit what's on your life. You're going to admit what God's placed in your heart. You're going to admit the gifts that are in your life. And my prayer, Minister Joyce, is that we will encourage them with the spirit of faith to the point where you understand that you are now-ish. And from that day forward, When Samuel put that horn of oil on David's head, he wasn't king. He was sort of king. (laughs) Help me, Holy Ghost. He wasn't king. He was sort of king. How do you act sort of king? And how do you deal with people who see you as sort of king? And how do you stay focused when you're sort of millionaire, but you're not millionaire yet? Sort of entrepreneur, but not really full-time entrepreneurship. Yeah, how do you act sort of? David was anointed to be king, but wasn't king. David was nowish. Someone say nowish. Navigating the now and the not yet. When you go to a church like this, you get a word for your future. You get a word for your family. But then you go back home to the same kitchen with the dishes and the plates everywhere and the clothes on the floor and the carpet that needs to be vacuumed. You just got finished praising God that God's taking you to new places, but you have to trip over toys at the same time. And shout out to every parent who knows what it feels like to step on a Lego or a car inside the floor. You ain't real. Until you paying bills, speaking those things that be not as though they are, and stepping on toys at the same time. It's Family Sunday. David was nowish. David was called to the next, but had to be faithful in a not yet. And as we transition into this new building, I believe it's prophetic corporately for many of us to understand that God is enlarging your territory, but there will always be a place in your life that's called for you to accept the not yet. So as much as I want to launch you, I want to make sure we're all mature as it relates to the anointing that's on our life. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 34 talks about David's nowish, and he was a prime example of having the attitude of being kingly but not being king yet. To the point that what was in him came out under pressure. He didn't have to put on his best behavior or best version of himself. Someone say he was nowish. All he had to do is take his anointed self into a real problem that no one could solve but him. As much as we want as anointed people for, people, for God to remove things in our life that we don't like, those things in our life that we don't like are designed to pull out the thing that God placed in our life. So as much as we want God to bless our life, he'd rather you be a blessing versus give you a cheesy blessing. 
of making your life easy. And if your life is easy, what's in you won't come out. So he allows you to have people around you who love you but don't know what's in you. People who care for you but, don't, but still drop you. It's called the God gap. It's the space in your life that even the best relative cannot fulfill. He allows you, even if you come from a brilliant family, to have a bruise in your soul that allows you to need God at all times. So there was pressure as he's on the battlefield, as David's about to face Goliath, he sees his brothers, and the first thing he deals with is psychological warfare. His brothers, familiar with him being the youngest, assuming he's only on the battlefield to be nosy. Does anybody have anybody in life that always assumes things about you? When you're a nowish person, people will always assume things about you. They will always wonder what your motive is because the way God's moving you through life, they don't even understand how you got to where you were. They don't even understand how you came up out of that. They don't, you don't even understand how God got you out of that. If you look back at your life and we don't like to look, now as people, we don't like to look back because our past is not pretty. And sometimes it messes with us with who we are now because the past looks like a problem, but the now looks so prophetic, causing you to drop to your knees for a different reason. If you look to your past, you drop to your knees in despair. If you look to your now, it's so prophetic and such a blessing to your life, you drop to your knees because it's not fair. It's not fair that we're where we're at right now. It's not fair that I made it here. And it's not supposed to be fair. It's called favor. I was tending my sheep. You all were in line first. But Samuel decided to not sit down until I arrived in destiny. Prophet Samuel decided to wait for me even though I was late. God's about to anoint a late person. God's about to anoint someone who feels like you don't have that much time, that you're not even in line. You don't even have a ticket to the party. But the person who's, who's throwing a party is looking for you to come in the room. And you worrying about tickets, and you worrying about keys, and you worrying about permission. And God said, I have appointed someone who needs you to be in the room. Someone say, David was oily. So David takes his oily self to the battlefield. What happens when oily people get into a problem, what's inside of them truly comes out. They don't even know it. It's instinctive. It's Holy Ghost instinctive. And in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, it says, David said to Saul, let me tell you something before I know you're trying to figure out why I'm even curious about facing Goliath. He said, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion came or a bear came, I took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after it and I attacked it and rescued the lamb from his mouth. And when it rose up against me, I seized it by its whiskers and I struck and killed it. I did what was necessary in my previous moment for this moment. I need somebody to reflect on all the hell you got through. I need someone to reflect on how you did survive that trauma growing up in that house. I want you to understand who you really are. I want you to understand you did survive that poverty season. You did make it through being ridiculed and treated wrong. And they did do you wrong, but look at who you are empowered to do right. And you can live your whole life worrying about who did you wrong, or you can live your life being empowered to do other people right. And there's somebody God's trying to raise up out of the gutter, raise you up out of just tending small things and small sheep, but you got to live. Let go of little big issues in order to be king, in order to be queen. You got to let go of your brothers who are frustrated with your necks. 
and your sisters and your co-workers and things in your life who remind you of who you used to be. It is not your permission to make their eyes change the version of you, but it is your permission to establish a different vision flowing out of you. Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Someone say both of them. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God. If any time you look at the text and you study King David in the Bible, something came up out of him when you mess with God. Like he might be softer if you mess with that, but when you defy the armies of the Lord, something inside of David's nature is called to become super Holy Ghost gangster. Something about David becomes more kingly when you mess with his God. When you interrupt his praise, when you hate on his worship, something about David ignites inside of him. He doesn't even know what's in him yet, but God's going to use that very thing that's ignited in him the entire time. David was nowish. He has to get to know what's inside of him. But in order to get to know what's inside of him, he has to get to know what's inside of him while everybody else gets to know what's inside of him. And even before seeing the fulfillment of God's promise, David's life is a testimony of what it means to have a nowish mindset. And God wants to transition many of you all, but you got to understand there's a difference between yes and amen. And it says in the Word that all the promises of God are what? In Christ. But the scripture is more specific. It says, yes, in Christ. So that means the promise is okay, but are you okay with being okay for the promise? Are you okay with being, are you okay? I know the oil says you're king. Now your life has to come into agreement with you becoming king. Esther, you are queen, but your decisions are very important to remain in the promise. And many of us, have all these brilliant things that we wrote in our journal and things that God said about us, but we're not okay with the amen. The amen part says, I'm going to give you some brothers who are going to give you a hard time, David. The amen part says, I'm going to give you a job that wants to kick you out, but you're called to stay faithful. The amen says, I'm going to give you some kids that require a lot of prayer. That amen part, someone say that amen part though. <laughs> I was cool with the promise, but it was the amen part. I didn't know God was going to require me to be slow to speak, quick to hear, for real, for real. Oh, it's my own words that are keeping me out of my next door. It's not that God has me on delay. He's hiding that I'm not good with my words yet so the next room can receive me. Write this down, understand alignment. There's a song out there. I know all y'all listen to gospel music. We're going to be doing this the whole Sunday morning on Family Sunday. And it's, I understood the assignment. She understood the assignment. They understood the. Uh, thank you. But did they understand the alignment? We understand. Do I understand the alignment of what God has to do in my soul to get to where He's trying to take me? Do I understand really the stuff that I'm going to have to go through in order to be the man of God God called me to be, to be the woman, to be the mother, to be the daughter, to be the sister, to be the family? Do I really understand what it takes for God to get my soul in order? And God is not human flesh, so He will use human flesh around you to get your soul in order because He can't come down Himself and touch you. So He will allow a bully 
to be a problem in your life until you rise up on the inside. You've been wanting to say you will not be. You know you've been tired of the bully. And the bully could be finances. And for some of you young people, the bully could be a person. And that bully will flee once you open your mouth up and assert yourself by way of Holy Spirit and say, I'm tired of dealing with this spirit in my house. God said, I'm trying to get you in alignment. The easy part is to get a word. The challenging part is to live on the word. The easy part is to receive the faith. The challenging part is to live by faith. Write this down. God said this to me. There's believe it mode, there's go and go see it mode, there's receive it mode, and then there's seize it mode. These are dynamic features of our faith, and every season has a faith mode that must be done now. And many of us have stayed in receive it mode, and we don't know how to go seize it mode. And some of us don't know how to go see it mode. You want God to bring it to you, and God said, no, you're going to have to go spy on the promised land. I ain't bringing that to you. I have everything for you behind the walls of Jericho. That means you're going to have to go seize it mode. You're going to have to go seize what, God, well, these walls, there's these walls in front of every, every time I try to move forward, it's like something is in front of my face. And he said, don't you understand that whatever's in front of a believer's face, it falls by way of marching? That all you got to do is pick your feet up, not your journal up, not your Bible up, your feet. You got to put your, some things aren't to be spoken to. Some things are be, to be marched and praised about. I'm just going to praise them for the new house anyway. I don't know how I'm going to get the house. I don't know how it's going to, but I believe every wall that's a sign to me enlarging my territory. God, I don't have a word for this, but you dropped it in my spirit. All I got to do, all I have is a march and a praise. I just believe that walls fall, that walls are not meant to be just spoken to. Walls are meant to be marched around by believers. Someone say, I got to understand the alignment. Isaiah 43 and 19 says, listen carefully, I'm about to do a new thing. You got to understand it's okay with being nowish. It says now. It will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even put a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. One text version of it says, see, I have already begun. The reason why the enemy is so loud and trying to keep you out of what God placed in your spirit, because God already began working on it before he placed it in your spirit. God would never place something in your spirit that he's not already completed or currently completing. Because if you place it in your spirit, that means it already exists. Your eyes just have not seen it yet. It's, someone say it's out there for real, for real. Whatever you place in your spirit, it could be something he's shown you, showed your family. It's really there. God would not, God has more things to do than to lie to your stomach turning. He has more things to do than wake you up for no reason. Have you writing that down for no reason? Write the vision down, make it plain. God's not trying to confuse you with the vision he's given you. He is fully in control of your, ah, he is fully in control of your out-of-control life. God is fully, come on, say it with me, God is fully in control of my out-of-control life. Woo, that, if that meant something, give God a praise right now. See, we think we need help in our yes, but God will set you up without a setup. God will brand you without a brand plan. God will direct your marketing without a marketing director. You should always be believing for something, receiving something, seizing something, and handling something that God wants you to do. Exploits come with activity. 
Prayer comes by way of using your mouth, but exploits come by way of moving your feet. We need some believers in this season to be feet heavy. We need you to move to where God's taking you, step into what God has for you. Secondly, you're called to disruption. In order to understand being now, now which you got to understand you're called to disruption. God is never going to allow the painting to look clear for you to walk through with yours. Lord, I feel like I'm talking Holy Gish to them, Holy Spiritish. Help translate this to their English. Am I making sense, Dr. Marshall Tom? God is not going to allow your pinch picture to make sense to you. But by the time you finish obeying, it's going to make sense to us. <laughs> See, you didn't know Bishop was confused hearing God regarding the, what you're sitting in. When Bishop Jace came here and said, we're sitting in somebody's mind. I was over there like, ah. I was like, this was my daddy's mind. I was just thought it was my daddy. You know, you're sitting in your father's mind. Do you understand what you think is weird about you, edgy about you? out of control about you, the reason why you're being forgotten about, David, as you tend to sheep, the reason why Mordecai keeps bothering you, Esther, about opening your mouth, the reason why you don't understand why God puts words on your tongue, Jeremiah, and why you have to speak the dry bones, Ezekiel. There's so many different spiritual giftings in God's house, and you won't let yours out because you're trying to understand something that's meant to be understood. You want everybody else to give you permission to be dope. You want everybody to give you permission to stand tall. You want everybody to give you permission to open up your mouth with an idea. The room and the environment will never be conducive to disruption. If it was, that's called acceptance. God is not going to place you, David, in a family that accepts what's kingly about you. He's going to place you in a family that expects you to take care of little things. Uh, but God's going to use somebody who's been faithful with little things, somebody who's nowish that you don't have the title yet, but I see potential in your obedience that I can place you or replace them with you. It's okay. The only ones praising God are the ones who have the prophetic release that you're somebody's replacement. That they've been sitting there thinking they hold that spot, but God told you it was yours. God told you what was yours. And God said, this is a word for you so you can understand it's okay with being weird as I work things out in your life. Some things are meant to be understood. You're never going to understand. You're called to disruption. Everyone's going to have to eventually embrace their calling to disrupt something. None of us, none of us, none of us were sent for the simple. None of us, righteous Alina, none of us were sent to this world to be simple or sent for something that is simple. Stop looking for simple and understand you're called to complicated. Stop looking for simple and understand you're called to that which is complicated. It's complicated. We have a complicated problem. Who shall replace King Saul? This is complicated. Even Prophet Samuel was on his knees crying out before God. I never thought we had to replace a king that we already anointed. We wasn't planning on replacing this king. It's complicated. God always has a weird person that is called to what everybody else calls complicated. You better praise God that you have the answer while everybody else is confused. Some of you are around people Monday through Friday, they're all confused and you understand exactly what to do. You are the answer. Somebody leap to their feet and say, I'm the answer. 
Yeah, devil, you've been trying to confuse me by the way they look at me. You've been trying to confuse me by me making them accept me. I'm already accepted, and I'm looking for acceptance. The devil is a liar. The devil's been attacking your self-esteem all your life. All your life you had to fight. Look into someone to the left where I say, all my life I had to fight. I had to fight for every inch of my faith. I had to fight for every inch of my confidence. I ain't going to let you take it from my kids. I finally shut it down in this generation. What you're not going to do is walk around timid, young man. I had to shut it down in my own self. And God's trying to raise up some of you all to deal with some issues of your soul and issues of your heart because you're making it about you, but your kids are not called to that brokenness and the overwhelming timidity of life's situation. They're called to get up out of that thing. But until daddy and mama face their devil, until mama and daddy face their devil, your kids can't get out of that devil. Someone say, I'm called to disruption. You're not called to simple. You're called to leave a mark. You're called to disruption. You're called to disruption. You're called to disruption. So how do you disrupt? Well, you're right now, your brain's trying to say, well, how do I go back and disrupt if I'm called to disruption? You don't have to find a way to disrupt. You are the disruption. Ah, the fact that you woke up in the morning, everybody else is upset. You, here we go again, being creative. Ah, my God. Here she go again, thinking out of the box. Here he go again, being faithful. Here she go again, praising God through all her pain. Here he go again, giving God a praise, even though he don't have it yet. Your whole life is called to disruption. There she go again, sowing the seed. There she go again, giving God praise. There he go again. That is me. It always will be me. I'm called to disrupt what you think about me. Look to your neighbor and say, there she go again. There he go again. So David... David in his nowish in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 22, it says, And David spoke to the men who were standing by him. They already told everybody what will be given to the one who defeats the giant. But because David is different, he makes them repeat the same answer again. He says, so what will be done to a man who kills the Philistine? He's okay with looking dumb in the room that he's called to. Ah, oh my God. He's okay with asking a question during the staff meeting that he's called to lead. He's okay asking the question over again because it's his battle. It's about to be his next. It's about to be his transition. He's okay with what you think about him because he's called to the, say, I'm called to the questions that I may be confused by. Stop allowing yourself to look confused to look smart to them. No, my fault. Stop allowing yourself to stay confused so that you look smart to them. Open your doggone mouth and ask the business questions, the strategy questions, the questions that require your prophet prophetic logistics are a release during your assertive questions. Prophetic logistics are released during your assertive questions. You must assert what you're confusing and ask a question so that you can get your answer because you're already, an already anointed to be king. You're already, nobody at the battlefield had Samuel anoint oil on his head. But here we go, these men are treating David like a mere man. They are dishonoring Samuel's oil. See, David has to understand, stop making this about you. Whatever is done to you, they're doing to Samuel. So David says in verse 22, then David spoke to the man who was standing by him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine, removes the disgrace? 
of this taunting from Israel, for who this uncircumcised Philistine is that he should defy the armies of the living God. As long as the assignment for somebody in here who deals with, well, Pastor Chandler, sometimes that is me. I don't know when I should ask the right question. I feel weird having questions. I'm the one that's scared to speak up, and I feel like I, have a, I can create something, and I can do something different. I can shift the way this, this thing is going, but I don't want to step forward because I just don't know if it'll be accepted. Let me speak to you. As long as the assignment is congruent with God's ability and calling on your life to disrupt, you can explode in this area and perform excellently. No matter what's going on, as long as you're called to go on in it, <laughs> whatever you say is purposeful. You're never wasting words in the room that you're called to. So the devil wants to shut your mouth in the room you're called to because the whole room, no matter what their face looks like, is moved by what comes out your mouth. So in order to shut down what you're building, Nehemiah, I need you to be frustrated with two dudes calling your name from the floor. Instead of looking at all these people in alignment with your assignment, you're focused on two people who are out of alignment. Time out for you as a leader, you as a person, you as an influencer, you as someone who's an infopreneur or someone who thinks out of the box. Stop worrying about the very two, the 2% who don't get you. Ah! Stop worrying about the 2% that don't get you. Everywhere you're called to, God will leave a remnant of people who are confused by your release. The reason why they need to be confused by your release is so that he can get glory. Someone say, I understand my alignment. The people answered David saying, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. David is disrupting everything that people knew about battles. First of all, they don't understand why a young boy is at a battle. That's disruption. Second disruption is his brothers assumed that he was there to watch the battle, not become the battle. That's disruption to his brothers. Now, what we did not think you were going to do, youngest brother, was actually come here to fight. We thought you were here to watch a fight. You actually came here to be the fight. That disrupts me. And it may, and here we go. Write this down. When they're disrupted, they're reminded of your last prophetic moment. When his brothers were disrupted, I bet you their brains went back to, well, Samuel did anoint him. Now, we didn't know how he was going to become king, but what if this is a moment? that my brother, what if this is a moment? Write this down, what if this is a moment? While everybody else is confused, what if this is your moment? While the economy is upside down, what if this is your moment? While the housing industry is out of control, what if this is the moment? Your boss got fired, what if this is your moment? The email did come through with a job opportunity, what if this is your moment? If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash RDCI TV. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.